The other day, we were talking about each other's motherlands versus homelands. So I had recently heard a podcast that defined the difference between the two. Um, a motherland is where your ancestry comes from. On the other hand, your homeland is the place that you call home. So to give you guys an example of what this is and how this relates to our podcast, eventually, my parents were born and raised in Taiwan. However, they moved to the United States almost 60 years ago. Um, of course, my dad has passed away. But the difference between a motherland and a homeland is Taiwan is their motherland um, where they were born and raised, but they consider the U.S. their home. Therefore, obviously, their homeland is the U.S. Interesting. It's kind of an interesting conceptually because lots of times people think it's the one and the same thing. Um, so anyways, that's another podcast for another time. However, the conversation then amongst us turned into invest it, it turned into talking about the interesting places and things to do that are in our motherlands and where our family originated from, which was also interesting. And we decided we needed to turn it into a episode. So anyways, I am Zen and this is the Minas in Paris podcast, the podcast about all things travel, be it destinations, food, having an amazing time, or what exactly you should put in your suitcase for your next trip. And with me today is Kristen. Hello. Wow, that was short. I know. <laughs> okay. And then there's Tanya. Hello. That was longer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now that we have the intros out of the way, we're going to uh, come up with our three and discuss it, and then um, listen to this short break from our sponsor, and we'll be right back. Okay. They're called goals for a reason. There's something to strive for. They require attention, and they need sweat and hard work to achieve. Do you have a career goal? At UCI Division of Continuing Education, we're here to help. With over 60 certificate programs available, we've helped over a quarter million students reach their goals, and we can help you reach yours too. Start today at ce.uci.edu. That's ce.uci.edu. Okay, so last time, the person who does the introduction is not going to go first, but do you two want to do rock, paper, scissors again to see who goes first? <laughs> Oh, we can? Sure, let's do it. Okay, you can right. call it. He's going to call the... No All oh, three of us at the same time and see who kills each other? Ooh. Yeah, oh, I'll, I'll call it. I'll call one, two, three, and then you guys yell out rock, paper, okay. scissors. Okay. 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 Three, two, one. Rock. Rock. Oh. <laughs> three, two, one. Rock. Scissors. Oh, oh Tanya wins. Tanya okay. wins. Now I'm going to be confused for the rest of the show. <laughs> okay. So I shall begin. Okay. So let's see. Long time ago, far away. So I'm my, the, the motherland, you know, it's funny. 60 years ago is when my parents came here too. Oh, okay. To, to um, the United States. And, um, and I'm going to talk about actually Columbia on my dad's side of, um, I guess the the heritage. Lucia Borda was my grandmother's name. Um, born in 1913. That sounds like a million years ago. Anyway, so Bogota is the place I'm going to talk about. And the first place I'm going to talk about is 
Um, so Bogota is the capital of Colombia, and it was founded in 1538. And then I want to talk about the, the historic district. You know how all the different places in, have the little kind of historic part of where things have been preserved. So the Candelaria is the old part of Bogota that retains like the the narrow cobblestone streets with the colonial kind of arch and open gardens, kind of Spanish looking spaces. So that's kind of the area. But then at the same time, which is all of Bogota has like a big sky rise and then an old building and then a colonial one and then art deco. It's kind of like all over the place. You'll have tall brick buildings next to like modern high rises. And then you have like a refurbished colonial shopping center that used to be a ranch. So it's oh. kind of like historic and modern and old and new. So you have a lot of that. So the Candelaria has, um, it's a district where you can go and like there's universities, libraries, museums. It has like the palace of justice, the Supreme court Congress, um, the mayor's office. So it has all of that. And I mean, I could probably go on and on, but the fun fact that I, that I, I discovered because I've never been and I can't believe it. There is a national shrine that is a Gothic church called Our Lady of Carmen, which is has red and white striped pattern, both inside and out, which makes it look like a giant candy cane. <laughs> so I don't know. on purpose or just happens. It, I mean, I think it's just that it's um, Moorish art. The way that that so it's like bricks of different of the two different colors and it's 18 feet tall. And I'm like, why have I never seen this? And but I haven't. So that's I'm going to go next time. I'm going to go to the candy cane church. I'm sure they probably don't like calling it that, but I will. Did you so, say the, the more it's Moorish and Moorish uh-huh, Byzantine and Moorish? They have like like um, what is it like Baroque? Just all kinds of different um architecture all over what what is most that you most see in Kristen you've been to Bogota right on on the different trips you've done yes right yeah so it's a lot of tall brick buildings right yeah, it's such a mishmash of uh-huh. like you have like some of these like you know like the Hilton high-rise but then you have like the the like you mentioned the colonial buildings and these like older brick buildings it's, it's like every era is represented <laughs> uh-huh and then yeah. you'll like and, and then the next to that fancy place there's this empty lot of nothing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you got it it's just that's just the way it is and anyway so so la candelaria is just the old the old area where there's restaurants and music and museums and so forth and i'm going to mention one museum that's in there later which i absolutely love but that's that it wasn't very big um very long but um it's just really cute to walk around and see everything. Oh, I know. One more thing I did want to ask, say that they have a really big um, food scene and unique graffiti graffiti murals that are now kind of in style if you go there. And that's that. So I guess, does that mean, Kristen, you're next? I sure. think so, yeah. Sure. Okay. okay. So um, I don't know where the generations cut off. <laughs> the motherland or the homeland but um (laughs) you you make the call yeah so um actually my my mom's side of the family they have done so much genealogy we have huge thick books of our family tree um which has been really cool but so um i do happen to know that my great grandfather he came to the u.s in 1888 um from prussia 
Germany, Prussia area. And my grandmother was born in 1917 in Michigan. So um, I know originally we were talking about where our like grandparents were from. So I actually wanted to do a little research on Michigan. Um, And I have been before, um, but actually the only time I went was for a family reunion and kind of like seen my family history. So I didn't do a lot of like touristy things. Um, What part of Michigan? So she was born and raised in almost at the upper peninsula, very, very North Michigan in kind of the middle of nowhere. She did grow up on a farm. Um, but she did also live in Detroit for a while. Um, so I thought I would look up a few things from Detroit and actually a few things where she was from as well. So I can help um, you out with Detroit maybe. So yeah. So like I said, I've been to Detroit, but I haven't done a lot of touristy things. We did things like see the house my grandmother lived in and like where some of my family is buried and stuff like that. So one of the big things I think most people know, maybe um, (laughs) Motown. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Motown music was started by Barry Gordy. He did Motown records was like the label. And that's where you get the Supremes and uh, Jackson five and all of those legends. So that all came from Detroit. And I'm sure I'm assuming you guys know that Motown actually stands for Motortown. Um, Because Detroit is where uh almost all I'm assuming American cars um, were like manufactured because Henry Ford did the model T there. And so Detroit was like the hub of all of that. So, um, Motown museum exists in Detroit. Um, so quintessential American artists like the temptations, um, can trace their origins to Detroit at the Motown museum. You can really appreciate how pivotal Detroit, Michigan is to the greater story of popular music. Uh, the finale of your hour long tour is seeing the Motown recording studio where countless classic soul songs were recorded. Um, you'll get to see where the Motown Records founder, Barry Gordy, resided. Um, yeah, so it looks like they include a lot on that. But um, when you think about especially when music started being recorded and mass produced, I mean, I think a lot of that comes down to Motown. Before that, you had a lot of people performing live on the radio and things like that. But um, Motown was really pivotal. And I grew up listening to that. My dad went through a huge phase where um, I remember growing up listening to the Supremes and all of that. So I have a good appreciation for that. So I'm kind of sad I missed that museum on my time there. Very good. Yeah. So if you actually aren't from the U.S., that might be news to you. But (laughs) my music population... I love the the fact that your family like does all the genealogy and the research. I love that stuff. I do too, and it's been so neat. We had a um, a family member who she did a whole tour. She went to um, these places in Germany and Poland and Russia, and she found marriage certificates and birth certificates and she took pictures of the churches and she put together this huge book for us so we have a lot of our genealogy on my mom's side dating back to i think the 1700s that's so cool yeah so it's really neat but Mm -hmm. my grandmother herself was um born and bred american cool that's it's kind of cool if we have time at the end i'll share something but let's keep going um (laughs) i I tend to talk so anyway (laughs) <laughs> okay, so 
I've mentioned multiple times my parents are from Taiwan. They actually were born and raised in Taipei. And my family, uh, parts of my family have been there for hundreds of years. Some of them are from a little bit of a little bit more southern. But I'll talk about Taipei, Taiwan specifically. Um, Taipei, Taiwan, as you may or may not know, right now is a democracy. They also are very interesting in the sense that uh, essentially all iPhones are made by a company that is in Taiwan, but they actually do the manufacturing in China. So it's a high technology country. Um, So one of the things when you're in, the other thing about Taiwan is Taiwan is a very small island. If you were blindfolded, dropped off there and didn't necessarily see residents, you may think that you are on Hawaii or an island kind of like Hawaii. So it's beautiful. It's very warm during the summer. Maybe it actually could be warmer than Hawaii. It's humid during the summer, beautiful sun, um, but it's also very, very lush and green, a lot like Hawaii. Oh, did not know that. Yeah, so it's a, and then being islands are all essentially mountain islands, right? Because they're formed from seismic um, volcanoes and such. Right. Isn't the theory that all of Polynesia was originally from Taiwan? Like it was Taiwanese people who ventured out and formed Polynesia like tens of thousands of years ago? That I don't know. However, there are natives on the island that are, they call them Aborigines, and they may be some form of Polynesian, but usually they just call them Aborigines. And they okay. have a very distinct uh, facial features, mm-hmm. um, and they have their own specific culture. Um, it's it's kind of like Native Americans in a way. And I mean, and it's kind of, you know, not to stereotype, but they're very, very famous for being wonderful singers. And <laughs> so if you're into Asian culture, um, the, you'll find there's something called J-pop and K-pop, which is Japanese pop music and Korean pop music. And there's like a um, C-pop, which is usually Cantonese pop. Um, Taiwan, that Chinese pop is a lot of the singers are actually famous. Um, they're actually aborig- of Aborigine descent. Oh. So a lot of them are in the music industry because they're very well known for their singing. Wow. I did not know that. That's cool. Fun fact, yeah. Yeah. So, But that has absolutely <laughs> nothing to do with the topic I was going to talk about. It's a, a bonus story. <laughs> it's a bonus story, as I always have them. I always talk too much. Anyways, it's, what I'm going to talk about is something called Maokong. And Maokong is a neighborhood within Taipei. It is, I told you, I was talking about that as mountainous. It's at the top of a mountain. When you look at the mountain, it's absolutely beautiful. It's all the green all the way up to the top. Um, and they have a gondola ride, or I don't know what they would call them. It's like when they, they had those little things that go up on a steel rope and they go through the mountains. They used to have them at Disneyland or you usually like see Like a cable them car? Like a cable car, yeah. But they're Got in it. the air, not actually yeah. on the ground. Yes, yes. Yeah. And so they call them, so they have this gondola. It's 17 to 30 minutes to go all the way up to the top. At the base, there's a zoo. But more importantly, halfway up, you can actually stop at a temple that is halfway up the mountain. Um, it used to be a very hard temple to get to, and 
lots of people said you are very, very pious if you were willing to take the walk up this mountain because it's thousands of steps. However, you get up to the top and as you're going, the great thing about these gondolas is the floors are um, glass. A lot of them are glass. And so you can look down and it's absolutely beautiful to watch the green go by. But a lot of that green is tea. This is used to be a very famous tea bearing district. And when you get to the top of the hill, it's this beautiful area that's completely like green, lush, wandering country, Asian country roads, and just surrounded by tea shops. And you can go up there, sit in the tea shop and look down on the city itself. Um, especially at night, you get the twinkle lights of the city, oh, which is yeah. amazing. Um, I'll tell one other story is that Malkong is famous. Um, if you, the name, I, I'm butchering it, but Mal, it's like Malkong. And Mal means cat. And Gong apparently means like cave. So this area used to be filled with cats, but I understand not like our cats. They were more like a civet cat. Um, so that's that's this area. It's a absolutely cat. What does that mean? Yeah, a, I've been... <laughs> a civet. A civet. What's that? C i v e t. It's it's a different type of um. Have you ever heard of civet coffee? No. Okay. Just look it up. Civet. C i v e t. I never heard of that before. Uh, a civet is kind of a feline kind of animal, but oh, it looks like a possum. Yeah, I was just looking it up. Too. Maybe, yeah. but there's also something called civet coffee, where the civets who grow up in areas that eat um, that are where beans are grown, they'll eat the beans because they're like little red beans um, and fruit, and then they'll poop out just the seed. And some of the locals found out that if you take the pooped out seeds, they've been put through some digestive juices. If you roast them, some people think they're actually fantastic coffee. Yeah, there's something in the cat's digestive system that like activates something or other that's supposed to make it better. Yeah. (laughs) I've read about that. Do not drink this stuff because now the way they don't harvest them in a humane way. Now they're kind of forcing civets to eat this stuff. So it sounds amazing, but... Please do not drink this stuff. Anyways, yeah. it has nothing to do with tea and going up to this top of the hill. <laughs> I always digress. Go go check this place out. Go for a, a, like an hour walk along, along a ch- Chinese country road and and stop in these little tea houses to take place, take part of a tea ceremony while being on an edge of a mountain and looking down upon the city, the, a beautiful city. There's lots of food stands up there. Lots of things to do. You could take a taxi or something up the backside, but I suggest you take the gondola. Tell me the name of the place again. It's Maogong. It's Maogong. spelled okay. M-A-O-K-O-N-G. Very cool. Okay, I'll have to write that next time because I'm next. <laughs> well, so now it's really... I'm just going to talk about another mountain in another country. <laughs> pretty okay. much the same mountain, thing mountain, I just mountain. said. It's Mountain of Montserrat. Montserrat. Um, and it's it's kind of like what you just said. Same thing. It's like <laughs> in Bogota, that's the, 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 the mountain that you see everywhere in the city. There's a, a white church at the very top. And it's all lush green mountains. It's 10,000 feet up uh, sea level. And it's the skyline of Bogota with the Andes Mountains. So it's like the symbol of the city. Um, And then 
it's kind of like, okay, yeah, well, so what do we do with that? And it's people, same thing. They hike up, but it's this one. If you hike up, it's an hour. And the cable car, I think, is really fast. I haven't done it in a long time. Um, you find is the sanctuary of the Catholic shrine there that was built in 1650. Um, and then at the top, same thing. You find restaurants, shops. And 40 years ago, they created, they built a, a restaurant, um, Casa Santa Clara restaurant, who now offers the gourmet fusion dining with panoramic views. So they have like a culinary contest and schools go up there. They have people getting engaged there, looking at the sunset of the city and lots of wedding photos. So it's become a little bit of that with all the greenery in the back, which is beautiful. Um, One of the fun facts um, that I found was that there, it, it was named after uh, the, an ancient monastery carved in the Catalonian mountains um, next to Barcelona. I remember seeing it when I went to Barcelona and I wanted to go, but it was like like a good hour away. So I didn't do it. It was, you know, but I now I really want to go. And so same thing is um, with your, your mountain. <laughs> you have little shops, same thing. So... There, my, mine wasn't as original anymore. I'm going to stop there and hand it over to Kristen. <laughs> All right, thank you for that. Um, well, I there's not a lot of mountains in Michigan that I'm aware of. So, <laughs> we'll, uh, there's pretty good skiing in Michigan. What? Yeah, there's some pretty good skiing in Michigan. Yeah. I'm really? Not, yeah, yeah. I've gone skiing there. Of I heard in Ohio. Of course, you, you have bowling ball and rolling. Oh yeah, Ohio. So. Uh, okay. Well, um, I won't talk about the mountains. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, this was really bizarre. So um, when I was researching, this kept coming up and I was like, no, no, I don't want to talk about that. But it wouldn't stop coming up and it was like number one. And I was like, I guess it's like interesting enough. So um, do you guys know about Masonic temples? No. I know of them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm learning about this. It's, it's, I don't know. In my head, it's really bizarre. So the Detroit Masonic temple was built in 1926 and it is apparently the largest one in the world. Um, and so the pictures of it are quite impressive. Um, I, I'm taking a stab here and saying it looks like a Tudor style. Um, I don't really know my architecture very well, but it's a nice stone building, um, very overpowering to things nearby it. It's huge. Um, and I guess um, you can do like tours of it. I think they use it for events and stuff now. Um, and I've always been weirdly ignorant of what the Masons are. I don't totally understand. I feel like at sometimes I thought it was like satanic and other times I thought it was like government. I don't really get it, but there's a lot of uh, it in the uh, national treasure movies. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like they said, the founding fathers were like Freemasons or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, if you're interested in Masonic buildings, this is apparently the one um, to visit. Um, And it says, its trio of sections are the Shrine Club, the Ritualistic Tower, and the Auditorium. Um, and it has been wowing guests since 1926, and it's one of the finest things to see in the city. Um, but today it's primarily used as an event space. Have you been there? Have you visited? Not the Masonic Temple, no. Yeah, it, I just looked it up. It is really like 
imposing. It's big. Yes. It's very cool. Yeah, I think that's like a big thing there. So I guess you can't uh, visit can, without seeing that. And it looks quite old, but really, yeah, it's 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 impressive. I and I I guess I don't know is are the Masons is that an American thing? I don't know. I don't know anything about that. No, I but I felt like Yay, it, ignorance. it felt very American. Like, oh, that that's like, if you're visiting, that would be something that feels like historic. That's worth like, I mean, or something. So that's it's like been around for a really, really long time, I think. Don't they supposedly from the, let me see. They trace their origins to the stone masons from the end of the 13th century. So clearly it was like a European thing, but still it's like a whole thing. And then the Detroit one's the largest one. So I think it attracts a lot of visitors and tourists and things like that. So it's very, yeah, it definitely looks worthwhile to go see and tour and take some pictures of. So I love old, so it's good. Me too. And I guess I should mention, as I kind of talked about with Motown, um, that like the car industry, the American car industry is from Detroit. So there are a lot of those automotive um, like uh, museums to see. So there's like the Henry Ford experience and they also have the... um, Henry Ford Museum, which is amazing. The Automotive Hall of Fame. So I'm not into cars, but I know people, that's like a thing for people. So if you're super into cars, that's probably one of the biggest places to go see. Um, you have to do the Detroit Auto Show. If you're a car person, you have to do the Detroit Auto Show, too. Oh, yeah. I bet that's huge. So that's probably like an annual thing, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, January. Year, I can't. Yeah, January or December. I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd go see the Henry Ford. I'm not really big into cars, but I'd definitely go see Henry Ford's, whatever it is. Well, yeah, the Henry Ford experience. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's something called the Henry Ford Museum, which is absolutely amazing. And it was made by um, Henry Ford himself, who hated kind of school. And he says, <laughs> they did, well, I, I guess this thing is that. Is our podcast being sponsored by school? Yeah, well, yeah, well, <laughs> well. Let me restate that. It's like he, he was kind of saying, you know, he, he didn't have a degree, is my understanding, or even a high school degree. And he said that um, someone accused him of not having a lot of knowledge. And he pretty much he said, you know, the problem is they don't teach things. They don't make it interesting. And so he started buying stuff. He's like, I think history should be taught through visually. So he got Thomas Edison's lab, bought the lab, and had it shipped to Detroit, Michigan. So you could go see Thomas Edison's lab and actually walk into it. <laughs> and then wow. he actually purchased the chair that Abraham Lincoln was assassinated in. Whoa. So you could actually see the chair. So you learned history by viewing history. Artifact by buying it. By buying it. <laughs> Sorry. <right. laughs> but they have cars. But the, when I was a kid, they had this huge train. Of like all the train steam locomotives inside, and you can walk around. And they have something next door called Greenfield Village, where it's a um, colonial, essentially a colonial kind of city, and people reenact what it would be like living in a colonial city. Oh, so you can go there and watch them dip um, candles (laughs) and um, raise sheep. Hopefully, they don't kill sheep and eat them there. But you walk around, and everyone's dressed like they're from the period. And so, it's it's a history museum in many ways. So, anyways, Um, 
I know we only have three things, but since mine are also short, I just have one other thing to throw in there for Detroit. And I think this is actually probably more interesting than the other because if people aren't aware of the geography, so actually Detroit, I think it was founded by the French and it had gone back and forth between being owned by the Americans and the Canadians. As we know, it is now American territory. However, um, it is right there on the Canadian border. So there is a river that is not that big that you look over and that is Canada right there. Um, Like a huge part of the Detroit suburb, like is Canada, especially when you, you look at how it's um, like laid out on the map. You're like, wow, half of Detroit is, seems like it's Canadian. Um, So the historic Fort Wayne, um, this is probably one of the most historically important Detroit attractions. Um, So it originated in the mid 19th century. Apparently it was displaying Detroit's military importance, which I think is funny because the pictures of it are very sad. It's basically just like one little wall, Um, but again, historically relevant. So it was the first defense in the city to actually be built by Americans. So oh. it's on the American side and it was built on that side of the river to defend against, you know, our foes, the Canadians, just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and it, uh, funny enough, it ended up being used for many reasons, including training and lodging, but never for combat. Interesting. So that makes me happy. <laughs> And it, it does belong to the city now, and apparently Detroit has done a great job of keeping it in good shape. So that is a part of America's border defenses. So Detroit, <laughs> if you can believe that. <laughs> is there is there another fort on the uh, Canadian side? I wonder. You would think that they were like you know, like doing like an arms race. You know, like the right. a fort race. I don't you know, see one. <laughs> what's also kind of interesting is the city of Detroit. Um, the way Canada and the United States uh, is put together, Detroit is actually north of parts of a lot of Canada. Yeah. Like a wing of Canada. Yeah. I think it's Windsor, right? Yeah, Windsor is right there. Yeah. Do you know what's like directly across from Fort Wayne on the Canadian side is (laughs) Tim Hortons. (laughs) 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 Nothing gets more Canadian than that. (laughs) I love Tim Hortons. Yeah. Kristen, so did, is this where you went, like for like as in childhood, like to visit, or did you? My mom grew up going there every summer. Okay. Um, however, my mom was the youngest of eight kids, and my grandma was pretty old and not going back regularly by the time I was around. Uh-huh. So we did one last really big. Most of my family went because um, my my family in Michigan they still do this family reunion. They were actually in the newspaper one year because it's so big. Oh, um, cool. But so we went when I was in high school, like my whole family, we joined my grandma to go um, and we got to see the like farmhouse that she grew up in and see cemeteries where family are buried. But I didn't like grow up going there. No. Okay. Yeah. Because it sounds interesting, a place to like, you know, grow up just because of all the different things you mentioned in history and so forth. I know. I got stuck in Southern California instead. (laughs) Yeah. You poor, poor thing. I know. (laughs) It's warmer here. I guarantee. Yes. That much I know. I think it's your turn, Zen. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to be quick <laughs> because my last one was so long. Um, okay. If you are familiar in Japan, Japan has a lot of things, uh, something called a onsen. They have lots of these natural water spots. And in Taiwan, they have something called the uh, Baito Hot Springs, which is a 
onsen as well. Japan had rule over Taiwan for many years. And so over, I've heard different stories, but like one to 200 years ago, um, there's this area uh, around Taiwan where there's a naturally occurring hot water springs that come up from the earth. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And it's really, really cool when you go to this area. Once again, I told you that it's very, very green. It's very, very lush. And you'll see these kind of lakes that are kind of like a slightly milky um, green. Um, but the thing is, it's all covered with a mist. And the reason why it's covered with a mist is because the water is so hot that it is actually start is evaporating. Wow. And it's almost magical. Yeah, it's really, really, really neat. And this is actually, um, so they call it, uh, I forget what part, it's, it's like north of Taipei. But I mean, it's like there's Taipei and then I, I call it New Taipei, which is just north of the city. It's just where the city keeps on growing out and out and out. And so this is, um, they call it Taipei City, which is essentially adjacent to Taiwan, uh, Taipei, and it's north of it. And so they have all these beautiful onsen where you actually can go and you can you can walk around these hot springs. You can see how, you know, like all the beautiful waters and stuff like that. But you also can get, take place in an onsen or you can get a private onsen and bathe in the water. Wow. Um, it's slightly acidic. Parts of it actually could almost be boiling water, um, but in general, it's between uh, 37C and 40C uh, Celsius. Um, I forget what that's in Fahrenheit, but it's very, very warm. And um, the only thing is when you go there, it has a um, sulfuric smell. So it kind of smells like eggs. That's why people think it has some of the healing properties. Also, the sulfur keeps the water very, very clean and germ-free. So there you go. Baito Hot Springs, north of Taipei. It's in Taiwan City. I mean, adjacent to Taipei. And um, it's just over the river, essentially. And go check it out. This is a newer part of the city. It's absolutely gorgeous. Um, that's it. And I want to know, have you been there? Have you gone I, and experienced it? Yes. I. Well, no, no. So to I have gone to the area and I've walked around the hot spring areas, uh-huh. seen the hotels and whatever they are, and then um, looked at them, you know, like the, the little lakes and such like that. But I've, I've never done a hot spring in Taipei or, um, uh, or in Japan yet. So I just haven't made it to uh, an onsen yet. Okay. Got it. I like my follow-up. I have to ask stuff. <laughs> yeah. Why not? <laughs> All right. So my last one is um, the person's actually still alive. It's an artist, and it's a museum of Botero, which is Fernando Botero is an artist from Colombia. He's an artist and sculptor who was born in Medellin, and his paintings are and sculptures. I don't know if you've seen them. They're like these big, huge, mm-hmm. like vol- voluminous, voluminous people. Voluptuous. Yeah, it's like they're big, round, exaggerated fruit. Um, oh yeah, yeah. So and he, what he does is he he um, he gets represents political. Um, like criticism, satire, humor, um, and he became, you know, famous with this, and he donated 
um, lots of his paintings to two museums, one in Medellin and one in, in Bogota. And in some of those donations, um, his collection had Monet and Picasso. So it's become one of um, Latin America's most important art collections. And he donated it with the promise that it would be a free museum for everybody. Oh, wow. So that to me is really cool. Um, I went and actually, I no, I did go and I couldn't go in. I remember that was a thing. So I had something that's pending. My husband was able to go in. Um, and then the other thing is back to New York, which I know nothing about, right? Along Park Avenue, um, 54th to 61 streets, there are sculptures of Botero, um, like or long bronze sculptures, 14 of them along each of the streets. What? So you How have, long have they been there? Um, I don't Not know. Forever? I have because I know I see people, you know, um, the big fat bull. Yes. His, and then there's the girl with a, with a cape who stands. Yeah. 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 All those are, are his. And so you, now I see them in all kinds of different places. Now I have to go find out where it's from, like how long it's been there. So it's just, I really like it. It's just kind of funny and weird. There's some really cute ones and really scary ones. Um, for a while I was really into like, following him and, and I kind of stopped I did find um like a fun fact that um his first job was you know illustrator for a local newspaper in in Colombia when he was 16 and then um they you know he that's how he made his money so he can go study in Madrid and then there he had some financial struggles and he ended up saying um selling some of his drawings outside of the museo del prado which to me sounds really interesting like in the 1950s here's this guy you know selling his stuff probably for little and you know everything is so so like um you know so expensive now but it's good it's fun i've yet to see the ones in new york back to my new york <laughs> yeah. So that's that. Beautiful. I actually love Botero and I was not able to go to the museum when I was in Colombia. So bummed about that. And apparently I missed the ones in New York too. So <laughs> striking all right. out all over the place. So um I was I looked up Detroit because my grandmother is from the middle of nowhere in Michigan, very far north, um, close to Upper Peninsula and Canadian border. And I was like, there's no way there's anything to do in her hometown. Um, but I Googled it and I was like, oh, wow, there are some top attractions there. Who would have thought? Um, so there is this elk park that has these great reviews on TripAdvisor. And apparently it's like a natural park where you see you can see elk and they're like all over the place so people go and get to see them eating and wandering around and it's very relaxing and a beautiful place to take pictures um so if you are there you can go to the elk park and see all these majestic elk which by the way i think they're the closest thing to moose that we have in the u.s we don't have moose do we we don't i don't know yeah i don't know you're asking very hard questions. I know. Maybe in Alaska. Okay. Um, so there is the Elk Park. Um, there is the Lake Otsego um, State Park, which is beautiful. It's it's essentially, it's just a lake in Michigan. But um, if you haven't been there before, it's like, you feel very remote, feels very American. Um, 
total like summer camp vibes there. Um, and then there is this Call of the Wild Museum. Again, very highly ranked on TripAdvisor. And so I was reading about it. And apparently it is a tribute to the local wildlife and history here in Michigan, um, which again is really interesting geography because it's kind of its own little peninsula, the way it's uh, surrounded by the Great Lakes. Um, so it does get pretty humid, but it's very green and has a lot of wildlife there. Um, and this Call of the Wild Museum um, is a tribute to that. And apparently it is continually upgraded. It takes about 45 minutes to go through all the displays and listens to the recording. And then what cracks me up is everyone's also raving about the mini golf course there. <laughs> so <laughs> You get to learn something and you get to have fun. So, I think we call it putt-putt over there. Be competitive. With, do they call it putt-putt? Oh, I, and I don't know. In Ohio, we call it putt-putt. Well. So, um, yeah, I'd never heard putt-putt before. To me, it's mini-golf. And, yeah, you know, these TripAdvisor reviews are probably by tourists who aren't from there. So that's why they're calling it miniature golf. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, there's some things to do if you find yourself in Michigan, especially if you're on a road trip. It's a great place to get up to Canada, and you can go through there. Cool. So, yeah, that's my my grandmother's hometown. That's nice. Yeah, it's very beautiful. I learned a lot. Okay. Good. <laughs> um, my last one is uh, Shinlin Night Market. Oh, so I love the markets. Oh, yes. yeah. that sounds fun. So uh-huh. if you're not familiar with night markets, night markets are an Asian thing as far as I know, but essentially certain streets um, will close down. Some of them are in more permanent areas. This Taiwan is a more permanent shops and they open up their doors, but they open up late at night after it gets dark um, quite often eight, 10 o'clock at night. And then they close, you know, towards midnight. Um, Taiwan is actually a very young city. And so the young people need something to do at night. So they all run around at night and they go to the night markets and they eat. Um, There's also lots of things to purchase, whether you need a cell phone case or a little anime or some, you know, like music or something like that, umbrellas and such. But it's, it's a combination of buying things and eating out there. Um, and eating and eating and eating because they have over 500 food stalls. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah. So it's it's so cool. It's that one of my, like the best food court ever. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is. And when you go there, what's kind of I, what's kind of what they're also well known is that they try to make sure that all the vendors do slightly different types of food. And definitely if you're hard to do with so many. Yeah, yeah. But they all have their own unique spin on the different foods, but they make sure that a chicken place is not next to a, another chicken place. And then right. if it's, you know, and so they all have, and it's like seafoods and different types of things. But I'll just run through a few things. Um, boba is a Taiwanese thing, and there are is amazing boba there. You can get noodles, you get certain types of fried buns. Um, there's something called a pepper bun that I mentioned before, which is kind of like a Chinese pasty. Um, they also have something called, oh, geez, I wish I knew the um, Chinese name. I can't think of it right now, but there's an oyster omelet. Ah. And they make these egg omelets, and they use um, fresh water oysters versus sea oysters 
and they cook them and they're slightly runny and they're just absolutely amazing and you had to get them fresh from these places they have certain types of peanut candies um one of the things i absolutely hate is stinky tofu um if you've ever had it you know how cheese connoisseurs love a cheese that smells the worst smelling cheese mm-hmm. sure um this is a fermented tofu and kind of the smellier it is the better they think it tastes um i don't get it you but don't i've eaten it to agree with that yeah and they're also <laughs> very famous for making a certain type of you know it, it's like a sausage somewhere between um like a slim jim and a sausage so it's like a little bit thicker than um a slim jim but there's so- Asian sausages, they tend to have a little bit more red in color. And then they almost, I can't tell if they're fat or tendon, but they're clear sections and they're amazing. Um, it's got to be fat because when you heat them up, it just turns really, really oily. And so <laughs> it, it, it's just amazing. You just walk around here, you see you, the smells, the sights, the people running around, people talking, people drinking and eating, all the stores and all the vendors, just lots of excitement in the middle of the night. And then at a certain point, everything just shuts down and goes away and it, the, the city sleeps. Yeah. Wow. That's, how, that's that. a beautiful way to end. Oh, yeah. I guess I'm ending. That's right. You are. Thank that you for that. Good. That was super cool. That was Zen, had you been to that market? Yes. Yeah. Did I, you I'm say a, that and I missed it. Sorry. Yo, no, no. I mean, I'm, I'm a huge night market fan. Whether it's um, like Hong Kong has some amazing ones. Taiwan has some amazing ones. Um, oh. I, ju- I just like going to night markets. What it's, do you think yeah. about the ones that we have here in Orange County? We have you night know, markets? <laughs> yeah. They have them at the fairground. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like yeah. the swap meet? Yeah, and it, well, yeah. it's an area of it. It's like really nice, and I've yeah. been. But um, what happened is I didn't. I I went to eat, but I I needed almost like a person to help me understand a little bit more. What is your opinion of those? You know, I I haven't. So I haven't been to. I've seen pictures of them. Okay, it's. You know, those the night markets that they have that I've seen tend to be more food focused in the United States. Yeah. Um, the night markets in Asia are a combination of selling goods and food. That, that I've sounds seen. way yeah, because that way you have a little bit of everything. It's okay. I see. Yeah. That. So it's it's actually half swap meat, half food. Yeah. And like for for what's kind of neat is that when you go to these like I'll, I'll like a hong kong one it looks during the day it's just a thoroughfare a street oh. and then all of a sudden at like eight o'clock or nine o'clock they shut off the street and all these vendors set up their tents and stuff like that and if you look at all the telephone poles you'll see all these boxes that are like the size of a shoe box and they're all all, all numbered and each one of those shoe boxes is when you open it up, there's a plug for that vendor. So they pay for the electricity on their little, little tent. And so they're, they all go in there, they put up their tent kind of structures, they plug in and one guy will be selling t-shirts. Um, back in the day, it's, this guy's selling movies. This guy's selling um, DVDs. Yeah. Um, somebody's okay. selling toys next to someone who's doing food. Um, the stores open up um, years ago specifically in hong kong i even saw like this guy looked like a um like a speaker stand you know like someone who's gonna do a talk and he had this little 
18 by 18 looked like a speaker stand and he was actually disassembling and fixing wristwatches. So you had, it's, yeah, wow. it's, it so, sounds really fun to go like super, you can get there and never leave just with so many interesting things to look at. We would just spend <laughs> hours just looking at, you know, they would have a shop of umbrellas. Right. Yeah. Just shops, like a shop of umbrellas. Some of them have anime, some have flowers, some have this, you know, you look at the t-shirts and some, you know, like, and then they have another one with toys or cat, something specifically on cats and you know, so it's just like every shop is just like, oh, geez, we need to go into that one. Oh, look at this one. They're selling bags. And then when you see the bags, you go, if you don't get the bag that year, it becomes out of style. And then next year you come back, there's <laughs> the bags are no longer available. Um, they would sell like little goods that you hang up. It's like, I remember one year my dad brought back these silk hand sewn little chili peppers and they were done in red and some of them were done in blue and yellow and they're the most beautiful little silk hand-sewn chili peppers and then we went back the next year can't find them out of style wow so or that was last year's thing that everyone had to have so every year they got something new and something exciting or it's like look at this look at this so that's fun wow awesome well thank you for closing on that that was a fun one so with that, it's our Motherland podcast. Thank you again for tuning in. Do you want more? Then check us out on our Facebook or Instagram social media pages where you can find photos of our adventures from around the world, interesting articles, and more. And if you're new to the show, check out some of our older podcasts. For example, New York Coffee Curiosities or Beautiful Bordeaux, France. And in particular, the one with Dennis, a retired chef and culinary instructor who travels the world discovering culinary inspirations for his recipes. I have to listen to that one. I still need to do that. (laughs) You weren't part of that one. Yeah. So last of all, before we leave, we want to give a big thank you to our sponsor, the University of California, Irvine. Division of Continuing Education. They only offer the best continuing professional education for your career or looking if you're looking for a new profession. Check them out at ce.uci.edu. And thanks again for tuning in. Ciao. Bye. Bye. Adios. Mm-hmm.